May God speak to you through today's message from Pastor Ryan Loxmo. Well, good morning. Welcome to Parkway Fellowship. Glad you're here with us today. Uh, I can't tell you how much I loved that movie growing up. I mean, if you played baseball like me when you were a kid, I mean, that was one of the greatest movies, Field of Dreams. Absolutely love it. And in that clip, something truly miraculous is happening, and the character we saw there is completely oblivious to it. I mean, he can't see this miracle that's unfolding right in front of him. He doesn't even know what he can't see. And it reminds me um, actually of a time when I was 15. I worked at Old Navy and I couldn't drive yet. My mom came to pick me up after work one day and uh, she wanted to run some errands. So she pulled into the shopping center and she's like, do you want to go in with me? And I'm like, no. And so I waited in the car and uh, it was really bright outside. I remember I didn't have my sunglasses with me, um, but I noticed she had left her sunglasses on the dashboard of our minivan. And so I was like, oh, I'll put on my mom's sunglasses while she waits, and uh, no problem. So I grabbed the sunglasses and I put them on, and I will never forget that moment, because what I didn't know is that my mom's sunglasses were prescription sunglasses. And I had no idea I needed glasses. And so I put these glasses on, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I can read those signs on that store. I can see like individual leaves on trees. It was crazy. It was this amazing experience. And so my mom comes out from the store. And I'm like, we need to go to the eye doctor now because apparently I need glasses because I can't see anything. And uh, I'll never forget the next week at school, I was sitting in Spanish class and uh, I happened to sit on the back row in that class and I could see the chalkboard and I was super excited. I was like, it says Biblioteca, I can see that. And my friends were like, just calm down, man, it's fine. But it was just this amazing experience. And today we are going to dive into a story, an incredible story from the Bible that is all about seeing for the first time. And uh, it's in the Gospel of John. It's about a man who was born blind. He had never seen anything. And then Jesus gave him his sight. Um, It's an amazing story, some powerful lessons for us in the way that people reacted to this miracle when it happened. So I want to give you the cast of characters first, okay? It's at the top of your message notes inside your worship guide. We're going to start out with the cast of characters, and then we'll dive into what happened. Uh, So first, you have Jesus, of course, and then you have a blind man. You have his neighbors, the blind man's neighbors. You have the religious leaders, who were called the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and the blind man's parents. Blind man's parents. Now, before I get into it, um, the story itself, I want to just say a couple words about the Pharisees because they play a, a big role in this story, and actually you hear about them a lot in the Gospels. And so I just want to give you a little insight into who they were. The Pharisees were part of the religious establishment in Israel at the time of Christ. Uh, they were a very large, influential group, and they actually started out with a very noble purpose. Uh, they felt that people should live their life very seriously for God. And And they actually advocated that every Jew, every average person should live up to the standards that the priests held themselves to. And so they were advocating living very seriously for God, putting your relationship with God like number one. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But as you can imagine, over time, many of the Pharisees became very focused on the rules and monitoring who was following them and who was not. And as a result, they became very judgmental and unloving. And so uh, they sparred with Jesus a lot in his ministry. They didn't, they didn't really like him very much. And so let me tell you the story of this miracle, and then we're going to walk through the biblical text of what happened 
afterwards. But here's what happened in the miracle. Jesus is walking down the road. He sees a blind man standing on the side of the road. And um, the blind man doesn't say anything to him. Jesus just stops and gives him his sight. And he doesn't do it in like this passing way. It's not like a drive-by healing, like, you're healed, and he just moves on. No, he stops, and he looks at this man, and he stoops down, Jesus does, and he spits into the dirt. Jesus spits into the dirt, and he makes mud, and he picks up that mud, and he rubs it onto the man's eyes. And you have to think, this guy is like, who is this man at this point? Well, what is he doing to me? And Jesus says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to walk down the street to the pool of Siloam, which was this very large public pool in Jerusalem. Many people would have been there. He says, I want you to walk down the road to the pool of Siloam, and I want you to wash that mud out of your eyes. And so then you have to picture this blind man kind of stumbling down the roads with mud all over his face, and he gets to the pool, and he starts kind of feeling his way in down the steps into the pool. And he's like, well, I've got to get these, this mud out of my eyes. And so he starts washing the mud out of his eyes. And at some point in that process, he sees light for the first time. He's never seen anything. He starts to see something. And then he keeps washing and it gets clearer. He can see the water and he can see the light on the water and he can see people and trees and the blue sky. And uh, the Bible doesn't describe his exact reaction, but I'm pretty sure he made a scene once he figured out what was going on and just celebrated. And the Bible says he went home seeing for the first time. Now this was unprecedented. Nobody has ever heard at that time in history and ever since of a person who was born blind and was able to see. Now there were accounts of people who had lost their eyesight due to illness and regained it. This had never happened, okay? So it was a really big deal. And so our, the rest of the story deals with the aftermath of that and how people reacted and what they thought was going on. So let's go ahead and look at those reactions. It's in your notes. John 9 is where the passage is. And I've broken it up into chunks, okay? We're going to take it in pieces. I'll make a couple comments in between each. And then we'll pull out the lessons, okay? So starting in verse 8, John 9, 8. His neighbors, this is the blind man's neighbors, and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, no, I am the man. And then how were your eyes opened? They demanded. Okay, here's what's going on. The neighbors are really confused by this, okay? Understandably so. I mean, in that world, you know, your community was everything. Your neighbors, I mean, you knew their business. Can you imagine growing up on a street with somebody who from a very young age was blind and seeing that child deal with all of the challenges and struggles of that, the parents, what they had to go through, their whole life was geared around the fact that this child can't see. And then one day, as an adult, he shows up and he can see. Like, I mean, this just must have been mind-blowing. Like, do you think you would believe it if that happened? Uh, it's so unbelievable, in fact, that some of the guy's neighbors, as it said in the passage, they thought it was more rational to believe it actually wasn't him. It's like, well, he couldn't have been healed, so it must be another person. But he insisted it was him, and so they wanted to know what happened. And so they asked him, how did this happen? And they took him to the Pharisees next to get more answers. Let's pick it up in verse 13, the next section. It says, they brought him to the Pharisees. So that's the neighbors. They brought him to the Pharisees, the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. 
Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? So they were divided. Here's what's going on. John mentions the Sabbath because um, according to Old Testament law at this time, Jews were not supposed to do any work on the Sabbath. Okay, completely they were supposed to rest. And the Pharisees think that Jesus may have violated that rule when he did this miracle. That's what they think is going on. And so some of them are like, well, this is a bad thing. You know, he healed the man's blindness, but he did it on the Sabbath. That's bad. And then others are saying, look, he healed the man's blindness. Like, he must be from God. And so they're having this debate, but they're stuck. They're stuck on the question of whether Jesus broke the rules when he did this miracle. So they want to keep digging and find out what's going on. So they bring the guy's parents in for questioning. Look at verse 18, the next section. The Jews still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? We know he's our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. Okay? The parents are scared. That's what's going on here. They're scared. They, the, the Pharisees had the power to expel them from the synagogue, which was kind of the local community center, the heart of, of life in those communities. And so to be expelled from the synagogue was a big deal. I mean, they were going to be socially ostracized. And so they're scared, the parents. And they essentially decide to plead the fifth. We don't know. We know he's our son. We know he's blind. That's all we know. Ask him. That's basically their approach. But the investigation continues. Verse 24, pick up the next section. It says, a second time the Pharisees summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God, they said. We know this man is a sinner. And they're talking about Jesus there. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already. And you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. So the second time they talked to him, they started out by saying that kind of strange little phrase, give glory to God, which to us is like, well, what does that mean? That essentially meant, give us your legally binding oath of what you think this is, what you think Jesus did, who he is. And that's what they are asking him. And he tells them the truth boldly. I mean, he really put them on the spot. And he spoke the truth that he believed Jesus was from God. And then they threw him out of the synagogue. And then Jesus circles back around to have a conversation with this guy. Okay, so Jesus initiated the miracle in the first place. And now he's initiating another little conversation. Look what happens in verse 35. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? And by the way, that phrase son of man was Jesus' favorite term for himself. Do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. Underline that, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. So you, you see Jesus again, seeking this man out. He didn't ask for the miracle in the first place, and now Jesus comes back 
after this investigation. He had given him his physical sight. I mean, that was pretty amazing, but now he's talking about the man's spiritual sight. He's physically seen Jesus, and now he has met his Savior. And so he worships him. So in a nutshell, here's the story. You have this unbelievable miracle. And then you have the aftermath in the community. You have confusion from the neighbors. You have opposition from the religious establishment. You have fear from the parents. And you have celebration from the man who was healed. But what does this event from 2,000 years ago have to do with us? What does it mean for us today? What can we learn from it? That's the question. What is God teaching me through the story of the blind man? Well, number one, this is your fill-in. I should seek answers about Jesus. I should seek answers about Jesus. Look, I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey. Um, But we all have questions about Jesus. Um, For those of us who have been following Christ for a long time, they tend to do with how can we know him better? How can we follow him more closely? How can we better align our life with his will? Um, But for some of you, you're grappling with more fundamental questions. Uh, You're grappling with questions um, that, that are more along the lines of, you know, could Jesus be who he said he was? Um, is there really a God? Does he really know me? Does God really know me and love me? Those kinds of questions. And, and the neighbors reacted in a way that sets an example for all of us. They had questions about this miracle, and about who Jesus was, and they sought answers. They didn't just, oh, I don't know. They were like, well, let's find out. Let's bring this guy to the Pharisees and find out. And that's a great example for us Because if you've encountered Christ in any way and you have questions, seek the answers. Because there are answers to be found. You just have to know where to look. And let me just say this. If you want to know about Jesus, you want to know about who he is, his his message, his mission, um, I would encourage you to read the Gospel of John. The whole book, the Gospel of John, that's where the story comes from. You'll get a real sense of who Jesus was, his mission, his message, and the fact that he loves you. Uh, you'll, you'll really get that. And, and let me just say, kind of as an aside, you want to look to the Bible for your picture of who Jesus is. That's the source. Um, you don't want to look to Google, and you certainly don't want to look to social media a lot of times, because I'm telling you, there is some wacky stuff out there about Jesus that does not even resemble what the Bible says. And you wouldn't know that unless you actually go to the source and read it. So I just encourage you to do that. Um, I can also recommend a couple other resources for you if you're seeking answers about Jesus. The first would be um, More Than a Carpenter by Josh McDowell. It's a classic, classic book. It's a, it's a great place to start. Quick read, very straightforward, and it deals with some of these key questions of why should we believe Jesus said he was who, uh, who he said he was? And so, you know, just that's a great place to start. Another one, if you have more uh, intellectual questions, would be Tim Keller's book, The Reason for God. Um, it's a New York Times bestseller. Um, he's a pastor and a scholar, deals with those key questions of, you know, how can we believe there even is a God um, in the first place, and how can we trust the Bible? And uh, finally, if you want to get some answers to those kinds of questions uh, really quickly, tonight here at 530, we are having our adult summer small group meeting, and we're answering those questions tonight. Why is there a God? Why can we have confidence in that? And why should we trust the Bible? And we're going to hear from um, Mary Jo Sharp, who's a professor at Houston Baptist University. She's also an internationally known author who's an expert on these very questions. So we would love to have you join us if you have questions about who Jesus is. But the point is, seek the answers. Seek the answers like the neighbors did in this story. Don't let your questions stay questions because if Jesus is who he said he is, then this is the most important answer you'll ever seek. So seek the answers. Number two, another thing we can learn from this story. 
ask myself if I am unwittingly opposing God in any areas of my life. Ask myself if I'm unwittingly opposing God in any areas of my life. You see, this is the Pharisees' response. And it's a cautionary tale for us. Um, As I said, the Pharisees started out with a great intention. Their intention was to follow God very seriously in their life. But they ended up on a path of caring more about the rules than people. And those of us who are Christ followers uh, who've been that way for a while, we're at risk of doing the same thing. You see, the Pharisees, they were more concerned about the fact that Jesus might have healed somebody on the Sabbath than the fact that he might have healed somebody. That just shows how warped their view was. And and, and if you've been a Christ follower for a while, you are at risk. We are all at risk of of taking that step, of, of moving toward being like the Pharisees without even realizing it. It's it's very slippery slope. I see this all the time on social media, almost every day, I would say. Christians caring more about the fact that non-Christians are immoral than the fact that they need Jesus. It's all over the place. And by the way, uh, just as a side note, why do those of us in the church expect non-Christians to act like believers? Why would they? Why do we have that expectation of them? But look, If you find yourself keeping track of people's sins in any way, I'm sorry to tell you, you have taken the step onto the path that leads to being a Pharisee. If if you are tracking sins and ranking them, it's not your job to keep track of anybody's sins. It's not. It's Jesus' job. Jesus is the judge. Scripture is crystal clear on this point. And I'm not saying the rules don't matter, that, that Christ's commandments don't matter. They do. In fact, later in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, if you love me, you will follow my commandments. So the commandments matter. It's just not our job (laughs) to track them and who's following them. It's not our job. Our job is to love people and to set an example for them and to speak the truth and to show them God's love. If you love the rules more than you love people, you're on your way to becoming a Pharisee. And sometimes you take several steps down that road and you don't even know it. And so be very careful because the Pharisees started out with a great intention, a great intention, and they ended up way off, way off. So number three, another thing we can learn from this story. I should speak openly about Christ even if I'm afraid. I should speak openly about Christ even if I'm afraid. You see, this is the lesson we learned from the blind man's parents, Right? It's another cautionary tale. They told the Pharisees they didn't know. We don't know how he became healed. We don't know who healed him. Ask him. But John tells us the only reason they said that is that they were afraid of the Pharisees. I mean, they knew. They knew what happened. But they didn't want to say it because they were afraid because of the social pressure that was on them to not be open about their belief. And we are under a similar pressure all the time in our lives a constant pressure. I mean, there are no shortage of opportunities for us to tell people about Christ. They come all the time. And how many of those opportunities do we squander? We just let them go past us. I've done it. We've all done it. But we cannot allow our fear to rob us of opportunities to make an impact for Christ because you never know what God might want to do through you in somebody else's life. Through your story, through your version of the truth, God might want to literally give somebody else a brand new life. And if we allow the fear of the social pressure of what people will think of us to to drive us, then we will miss all of that. We will absolutely miss all of that. 
Number four, one more thing. Encountering Christ should drive me to boldness and worship. Encountering Christ should drive me to boldness and worship. See, this is the reaction we should all want. This is the reaction of the blind man. He encountered Christ. Now, he did in a very dramatic way, he encountered Christ. But he encountered Christ, and his response was to speak boldly to the powers that be, the Pharisees. And then he worshipped Jesus afterwards. That's what it said. He worshipped him. And if we truly know Jesus, the all-powerful, biblical Christ, then we should be compelled to live boldly for him and to worship him. And I'm not talking about a Facebook rant, okay? That's not bold, all right? I'm talking about living your whole life in every area boldly in such a way that everybody knows that you live for Christ, that Christ is the most important thing in your life, then you're open about that. That's what boldly living for Christ looks like, that everybody knows Christ is my Lord. Everybody knows it. That's what boldly living looks like. And it is the only response, boldly living is the only response when you grasp how loving and mighty and all-powerful and just God is and how much the world needs him and your family needs him. Your friends need him. Your neighbors need him. And I'm going to be honest, if you don't find yourself doing those things, worshiping Christ and living boldly in his name, uh, being open about your faith, you have to ask yourself, how well do you know Jesus? I mean, you really have, that's a hard question, but you really have to ask yourself that question. Because a close relationship with Christ will drive you to worship him and to live boldly and openly in his name. That is the result of a close relationship with Christ. One more fill-in for you. Our natural state is spiritual blindness. Our natural state is spiritual blindness. That's our default. And that's really the point of this story. I mean, as miraculous as it was that Jesus gave this man his physical sight, the broader point is that he gained his spiritual sight and he met Jesus, his Savior. And the great irony that he spoke truth to the Pharisees who in spite of all of their religious activity were spiritually blind. They were spiritually blind. And Christ came to give them and us our spiritual sight. You know, just like uh, Jesus sought the man out in this story, he sought him out in the first place to, to heal him, and then he sought him out after the fact to have this conversation. Jesus has sought all of us out too. You know, he initiated. You know, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this world proactively to save all of us, to give all of us our spiritual sight, to teach us the truth, and to pay the penalty for all of our sins, past, present, and future, mine and yours, so that there's nothing that's a barrier between us and God. We can know the truth and we can have the blessing and the joy of knowing God and following Christ in this life and the hope of eternity in heaven. Christ initiated that. He offered that to you, to all of us. He has extended that offer to you. It's free. It's free. You can't earn it. You cannot earn your way to heaven. You can't be good enough for God. You don't have to be. He loves you. And he started out by initiating for you, by sending his son Jesus to this earth, and he's extended that offer of salvation. You just have to accept it. And so if you have not accepted Christ, 
If you've not begun your relationship with him, I would encourage you to do it today. He loves you, and he has an exciting life in store for you. You just have to accept it. So there is actually a sample prayer at the bottom of your message notes. If you pray that prayer today, Jesus will come into your life and save you. And so I would encourage you to pray it. I'm going to give you some time in just a moment um, to do that. But look, if you've met Christ, if you have really understood his love and his power and his mercy, you will be compelled to worship him and to live boldly in his name, just like the blind man did in this story. So everybody pull out your connection card. And let's ask God to help us take some next steps. <clears throat> How about this first one? God, I'm asking you to help me find answers about Jesus. If you have questions about Christ, no matter what they are, would you make that commitment to seek the answers? And check this next step. I'll email you some links to books and other resources that you can look at. Would you just make that commitment that if you have questions about Jesus, you're not going to let them stay questions, that you're going to find the answers like the neighbors did in this story. How about number two? Uh, show me if I'm on the road to becoming a Pharisee. God, I'm asking you to show me if I'm on the road to becoming a Pharisee. That's a hard question to ask, but you don't want to be on that road. So ask the Lord to reveal it to you if you've unwittingly taken some steps down that path. Okay, number three. God, I'm asking you to enable me to speak openly about you, even if I feel afraid. Would you just ask God to do that in you, to supernaturally enable you to speak boldly in his name in spite of your fear? Because he has to enable you to do that. Would you just ask him to do that for you? Number four, God, I'm asking you to help me to know you more so that I'm compelled to worship you and live boldly in your name. Would you just make that commitment to ask God to just grow your relationship with him? Just grow closer. Get to the place where worshiping and living boldly is just the natural outcome of your close relationship with Christ. Uh, how about this next one? Number five. God, I'm asking you to speak to me as I read the story of the blind man in John 9 and reflect on what it means for my life. Would you make the commitment to read that story one more time this week? It's the whole chapter, John 9. Just read the whole thing and just reflect on it and what what God is saying uh, to you. How about this next one? Number six, I will attend the on-campus small group event tonight at 5.30. Like I said, great way to find the answers to some of these fundamental questions. Would you join us tonight, 5.30 here? We'd love to have you. Uh, it doesn't matter if you haven't registered before, just check this next step and show up tonight. We'd love to have you there. And then number seven, God, I'm asking you to save me as I pray the prayer to become a Christ follower for the first time in my life. If you heard about Jesus for the first time today and you want to pray that prayer, I'm so excited for you. And I'm going to give you a chance to do that in just a second. But check this next step because if you're going to pray the prayer to become a Christ follower, we want to follow up with you and give you some resources uh, to help you in your new life following Christ. Um, so here's what I want you to do. Everybody in this room, bow your heads. I want everybody in here to bow your heads. And I want you to take just a few moments to reflect on this message and what God has shown you and the next steps you've taken. And just ask him to help you, to show you what he wants you to know, what he wants you to learn. And if you're going to pray the prayer to become a Christ follower, this is your chance to do it. So take a few moments.
Father, I thank you that you loved us enough to send your son here to give all of us our spiritual sight. Lord, and I thank you that the story of the physical healing of the blind man is something that comes down to us that we can look to for inspiration and guidance and we can hear your voice in it. And so I pray, Father, that you would reveal to each one of us what it means. What are the things we need to change? How can we grow closer to you? Lord, I pray that you would teach us, speak to our hearts about this, this week, today. And so I I just thank you, Father, for your love, your mercy, your grace. There's nothing we could ever do to make you stop loving us. That you love us so much. Thank you for that, in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.